0: Of the Reformed Brotherhood. Brothers don't shake hands. Brothers got a hug. I'm Tony. And I'm Jesse. Brother? I'm going to have a brother? <laughs> I've always dreamed about having a brother. If you'd like to join our brotherhood, you can join our Facebook group. You can email us at reformbrotherhood at gmail.com, or you can find us on Twitter at Reform Brohood.
1: You can also subscribe and rate us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or anywhere else podcasts are found.
0: Hey, brother. Hey, brother. Hey, brother. Hey, brother in
1: law. <laughs> hey, brother. Hey, brother.
0: What's going on? Not much. Just uh, rocking the podcasting tonight.
1: Yeah, we are. And this is like round two, in a way.
0: I think it's take three, actually.
1: It is take three. Listen, people, the podcasting struggle is real.
0: It's very real, it's realer than real.
1: So now that we're on the third time through, so to speak, let's talk about what we're thankful for since we'll keep this a short episode with the upcoming holiday and the fact that I can't figure out how to record things.
0: Yeah. So just to clue you guys in, uh, we had a little bit of recording difficulties earlier and we both have families, so we're limited on time. And so we're going to just do a short episode tonight. We're going to share what we're thankful, uh, thankful for and uh, then we're going to head to the rest of our evenings. So, Jesse, what are you thankful for?
1: So I want to start, if it's okay with you, Tony, with some scripture, which you really can't say no, because this is the Reformed Brotherhood podcast. It is the
0: Reformed Brotherhood podcast. Go for it.
1: But I've been thinking a lot about Ephesians one, and this is uh, verses three through six. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. I feel like we could just end, like we just end
0: the podcast right there. Honestly. Yeah. That, I mean, you, you can't really improve on that.
1: But what I've been thinking about a lot recently is, especially with the reformed tradition and with the name Calvinist in particular, how for so many people, sometimes because of for really good reasons, those things have become pejorative terms. And as I was just reading this the other day meditating, I was reminded that it was actually in love that God predestined us. Not like capriciously, not because he had some ulterior motive, but it was in love. So it reminds me of like the sink of debauchery even in my own life and in the human condition that we so desperately needed rescuing. And so really I'm just thankful that God would condescend through Jesus Christ, that his loving kindness, uh, you know, what often is translated as, as um, covenant love, that it's powerful and prevailing over sin, death, selfishness, over Satan himself, and that God has adopted me. Like, I'm just so thankful for that. And not because I'm even more thankful because I know there's nothing I did, of course, to earn or merit that kind of adoption b- being brought into the family. And also because there's nothing I need to do now to continue to earn it, but merely to walk forward in obedience and in thankfulness because he has done it for me. So I'm just super thankful for that.
0: Yeah. Amen to that. And I think as, um, as Christians in general, but I think especially as Reformed Christians who want to recognize God's sovereignty in all things, um, we really have to start with thanking God for what he's done for us and um, that starts in choosing us in love and um, you know goes all the way through everything throughout redemptive history I mean Sending, you know, giving us his promise that he would send a deliverer, preserving the line that his deliverer would come through all throughout scripture, and then, you know, sending his very son to take our very nature and to die on our behalf and in our place, um, and then sending his spirit to live in us and to apply that salvation to us. Um, It's kind of like that has to be the starting point for all of our thanksgiving um, before we can even start to talk about the, the temporal blessings that we've been given. Um, you know, whether it's our house or our jobs or whatever it might be.
1: Yeah, right on, because I've just been blown away in thinking uh, the scripture is so clear that the mercy of God is Jesus Christ and how amazing and otherworldly that the mercy of God would be reflected in a person, not just an idea or a concept or even a theology, but that it would be a person, God giving himself. And that like totally floors me. Like that just blows me away. That gets me pumped up. And I think that there's, again, sometimes a misconception that when we are thankful and we say things like very forthrightly, like we are thankful that we are chosen, that we are in this brotherhood, this family of Christ, that it gets perceived as somehow it's egotistical or self-centered. Yeah. But my heart of thanksgiving overflows again from the fact that I've not earned that place at the table, that I'm servant of the king, but he's given me a, a room in the palace. And that room is a gift. And all of that, all of my life like you said, very eloquently, like starts there. So I, I've just been mulling that over time and time again. And it's like a truth that I never get tired of thinking about. And it's a truth that's even hard for me to articulate because it just seems so grandiose. So what are you thankful for?
0: Well, I mean, building on that, I just think knowing that God and, and not in the like, let's misappropriate Jeremiah 29 sense, but that God really genuinely has a plan for not just my life, but for all things. Um, but specifically knowing that like when something happens in my life, whether it's something that feels good or something that doesn't feel good, um, knowing that it was God who brought that about and not just like, as you said, not just capriciously or sort of whimsically, but he brought that about not only for my good, but also for his glory, which in the life of a Christian is one and the same thing. Um, I'm reading, um, there's the, the Five Solas series that Zonderman has put out. And I read it when I first got it, but I'm reading it again. And it's the uh, God's Glory Alone volume. And it spends a lot of time talking about how God's glory is such that he um, he glorifies himself by redeeming and blessing his people. And so in you know, the Westminster Catechism's first question what's the chief end of man? And the answer is the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And the really interesting thing is that glorifying God and enjoying him forever are basically two sides of the same coin. Um, I don't want to go like John Piper's route by saying we glorify God by enjoying him forever. I I don't like that. But um, (laughs) when we enjoy God and when we enjoy what God has given us um, and properly thank God for it, we reflect his glory. And it's such an honor um, to be able to say that God has chosen me and equipped me and created me to uh, to reflect his glory.
1: There, You're right. There is great honor in being able to enjoy the gifts that God give us, gives us in a way that's appropriate and stewarding and loving. And that does bring him glory when we enjoy those things. So there's error, obviously, in either extreme, but not to be too miserly or spendthrift but again the holiday is just a wonderful opportunity to kind of reclaim some of that attitude in yourself if you're like me where certainly sometimes a lot of time can go by where i have not really appropriately considered the great gifts of god in my life and the fact that his love is just not like any other love that i regularly use even if i say like i love my wife which i definitely do and definitely say But also if I'm like, I love sushi. I mean, for us, the word love has become so ubiquitous, but God is expressing his love in a covenantal form. It's like a vowed love, a promised love, and it's deep and thick and hearty and prevailing. And it's enough that it reaches down and saves really horrible, drifting sinners. And I just can't think of like a better place to start than that.
0: Yeah, and not to get too, you know, theology nerd, um, but I suppose this is I'll a make theology podcast. So let's just nerd out here is, you know, tying back to our episode on theology proper is God's love is such that it didn't come upon him, right? So we don't choose who we love. I I, I think people have all the best intention in the world when they say like, well, love is a choice. And there's a, there's a really good core of truth to that. But at, you know, at the beginning of a relationship with, um, for obviously for us with, with our wives, we probably didn't like make an intentional choice to pursue a person that we had no sort of, um, involuntary attraction to, right? We, we don't choose who we're attracted to. You didn't choose to love sushi. It's not like you said one day, oh, I'm, I'm just going to decide that I really like sushi, um. Our loves and our affections for people and for things are not voluntary um, in the strictest sense of the word. But for God, love is a choice that he makes. He chose to create all of creation and then pour his love out on creation. Um, it's not as though creation happened and then all of a sudden he was overcome with affection towards creation. Um, love is something that was a choice for him to uh, to act and then to be able to love that creation that he you know, brought into being. Amen. Do you like olives? Um, I don't know, but I have a feeling I know where this conversation is going. Best
1: segue ever. Because yes. I was just thinking, as you're saying that, that sometimes it, it shows how strong that is for God, because in terms of his choice to love, because it works like against us when we try right. to enforce love. So
0: yes. I
1: don't like olives, but people <laughs> like love olives, like all the people like cannot stop talking about olives. It's like the CrossFit of small food. <laughs> so what's crazy is. I want to enjoy, I want to have that kind of joy that those olive people have. Every year. And so, like, I think, like, every six months, because isn't there something about, like, your taste buds regenerate or change?
0: Yeah, something like that.
1: Reborn in some kind of weird way. <laughs> so I um, try olives probably, like, every six to eight months. And still, like, to me, they just taste awful. I want to love them. I trying to choose to love them. Yes. And they reject me.
0: This happens every year at Christmas, folks. Every single year. <laughs> we sit down at, at the Christmas uh, dinner and the olives pass by Jesse. And someone says, why don't you try them this year? And he's like, I'm not going to like them. And, and we're like, just try them. And he's like, well, I'll try one. And then our mother is like, oh, you're not going to like them. Don't don't waste the olives. And then right. Jesse tries them and he gets the exact same disgusted look on his face every single year. I'm thankful for that story. I'm thankful for that that tradition that we have Damn. in our family.
1: I'm thankful that I'm still willing to give it a shot because <laughs> the the people who love the olives get me like pumped up. They're like, yeah, this is going to be the year. Like this is it. Yeah. Then when you, I try the olives and I, they see that I still find them repulsive. Then they turn on me and say, you've just wasted olives. Like, what are you
0: doing? <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's a special commodity.
1: Yeah. The, so the passion is there, like on both sides. So, uh, so I get that, but I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm with you. Like there's, God has like a a special choice in that that we don't have. And it is strange that, and this is getting far deeper than we need to go, I suppose, but um, I have been thinking a lot about that recently, too, in terms of a lot of times we hear people say that love must be couched in choice or there must be choice for love to exist in any meaningful way. And yet I think just love is far more complicated, and so is God, of course. So he gets the choice. But to say like well human beings must have choice because then that's the only way to obtain real and true love you know love existed in the trinity before man was created of course something we kind of talked about before and we'll talk about again right and to that extent we certainly wouldn't say that god has all free choice or all free will because you know there's certain things that are beyond his character he can act of course according to his nature and that nature is to love. So it's just complicated. And I'm, I'm thankful that though God is infinitely complex, that he allows me through faith and through regeneration, which he gives, and all these wonderful means of grace, which he allows in my life, to have relationship with him, though I do not even understand the things that I probably even should, or even appreciate them at a high level.
0: Yeah, and just as an aside, um, You know, we have to be careful when we talk about choice, right? So the the Arminian position um, or kind of the open theist position is that um, in order for love to be genuine, uh, it has to be a real choice. And so human beings have to have... Uh, complete libertarian freedom, a particular kind of freedom in choosing to love God or it's kind of a compelled choice. But when we really think about that, um, you know, we do run into a wall where, where if we do that, then God doesn't have that doesn't have that choice. He doesn't have free will. So we won't get into it too much because I'm sure it'll come up in one of our um, more intellectual academic episodes. But if you want to get a jump start on that, um, if you take a look at episode 110 of the Reform podcast, um, I did a, a kind of a, a session on there with Les and Tanner to talk about free will and how um, when we talk about free will, it's really more about Being free to choose what we desire, not necessarily free to choose anything that is possible. Um, So check that out, and then we'll get into it in a different episode. But um, I I just think too, like this is going to sound really corny, and it's like a terrible segue back to the Thanksgiving thing. But I'm really thankful for like this podcast and our listeners. Right. We do this thing, you know, we get together, we talk every week, which even if nobody was listening, I have a blast just chatting theology with you. Um, but to think that, like, there are people out there who take, you know, sometimes like an hour of their time to listen to us talk about theology um, is really like humbling. And it's, there's a lot of gravity to it. Because, um, you know, I'm not a pastor, you're not a pastor, Um, I've got some theological education, you study a lot on your own, Um, you know, you grew up in the church. And and so we, um, you know, I'll speak for both of us that we're really grateful to have this opportunity to do this, Um, and really humbled by the fact that like, there are people that listen to and want to hear what we have to say. So I'm just really thankful for that.
1: I'm thankful for that too. And definitely don't take an hour to listen to us. Like just put that on two times speed because we'll sound exactly. a lot smarter too. If you we do sound a fast. lot
0: smarter. I listen to it. Just a little funny known fact is um, I listen to when I'm editing the podcast, I listen to it both at uh, one time speed and two times speed um, to see how it sounds and see, make sure there's no issues. And then uh, when I'm listening to it, when it releases, I listen to it at three times speed. And it's remarkable how much smarter we sound at three times speed. <laughs> And every once in a while, just, just to get a laugh, I'll slow it down to, like, 50% speed, and we sound like we've been drinking all night long when we do that. <laughs> it's pretty funny. You should that, That's uh, one of my recommendations for the night is slow this podcast down to 50% speed and think about uh, what we would sound like if we were just really, like, totally sloshed. Do it. Do yeah, that
1: would be fantastic. It. So you're saying that w- I, the degree to which we sound smart is proportional to the speed at which you listen?
0: Oh yeah, for sure.
1: That's impressive.
0: When someone's talking really fast, they sound really smart.
1: What we should do is just record this and then automatically speed it up.
0: Yeah, we could do that. I'm surprised somebody has thought about that. That's brilliant. Maybe someone has. Maybe like, uh, maybe like RC Sproul is not as smart as we thought he is. And he just speeds up his podcast. (laughs) Uh,
1: I would like to know what I should do. I should listen to, um, John Piper at two times speed not because he's not already a brilliant man in his own right but I'm just curious what that would sound like
0: yeah he would be pretty crazy it'd be even better to watch him like watch a video of him at two times speed because he's got those like crazy hand movements that he does he would look like he's about to take off like flying away like a bird
1: he is crazy expressive that's for sure
0: he is that's why he's so he's so easy to make memes out of because he's always got like a crazy look on his face or he's doing something with his hands
1: Yeah, that's true. He's like a meme manufacturing dream come true.
0: He is.
1: I love that. So, speaking of... Let's segue into speaking of food. Food. Since Thanksgiving is a holiday typically composed of lots of different foods. Yes. I posed a question out in the Facebook group. And the question for this episode, 12, was what is the most controversial Thanksgiving food? So, Tony, in your mind, what is that controversial food?
0: Oh, man. Um, Well... I don't know, man. I think maybe it's the dessert because I think everybody everybody has like a perspective on what the proper Thanksgiving dessert is. So I'm like a pumpkin pie guy. I'm a traditional pumpkin pie guy. But some people will get like really, really upset if you don't have like other kinds of pies and other kinds of desserts. So I think it's the dessert. What do That's you think? a
1: good call, actually, because I'm also a pumpkin pie guy, but partly because I just love love me some squash, but also because yeah. – it feels like that's the only time of year you get the pumpkin pie. Like you can have apple blueberry like any time you want.
0: Yeah. Why can't you have pumpkin pie other times a year?
1: I actually, now that I say that, it does sound ridiculous. Like you should just be able like,
0: it is for freedom. Christ has set you free. Like, yes. Let's
1: just have pumpkin pie when we want.
0: Yes. Do not be slaves to the seasonal <laughs> fruit cycle. No,
1: no longer be slaves of your blueberry pie. That's people. exactly
0: what Paul was talking about, I think.
1: I think it's definitely in the Greek. That is fantastic.
0: So, so what do we have for answers in the, the uh, podcast? By the way, kudos to the Facebook group here. Uh, Jesse put this up like two hours before recording, and we have like a viable number of answers to actually have a discussion about this. So good work, guys. Yeah, this is a good and sample. These,
1: the people in our group are fantastic. Yes. They're absolutely so, fantastic.
0: So what do, we, what do we have for answers?
1: All right, so here's the thing. There's a lot of cranberry sauce. Yes. And I understand this and I think identify with it because – uh, as Eric pointed out here, not only is cranberry sauce by itself like kind of controversial, like this idea of cranberry and a gelatinous mass and then what you do with it. Some people are like, you got to slather it all over the turkey. Some people are just eating it straight up. But there's also this question of, is it homemade
0: or is it the canned stuff? You, yeah.
1: you have a preference on that?
0: Uh, I think cranberry sauce is disgusting no matter what the origin is. Really? Yeah, I don't like it at all. I, I don't know why. I think it's because I grew up on the canned stuff, and it just looked unnatural and unholy. So I don't unholy. know. Yeah, I, I'm not a fan of cranberry <laughs> sauce. I mean, I'll eat it to be polite when someone has made it. Um, even if all they did was, like, open up a can and dump it out, um, I'll still eat it to be polite. But, like, we, we go out to um, to a restaurant for Thanksgiving. Um, that way nobody has to clean up, and the day after Thanksgiving is kind of a busy day um, with like setting up decorations at the church and stuff. So we um, we go out for dinner, and I never get cranberry sauce when I don't have when I don't have to risk offending somebody by not eating it.
1: I just love the sound like the only there is a distinct sound that the canned stuff makes when it's trying to make its way out of that can. Oh yeah, it's like. <sniffs> Yeah. It's like nothing else. It's, I don't know. It's something to behold. So yeah, I I hear that. So, um, James Ryan Brokaw said deviled eggs. That's interesting.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think it's because of the reference to the devil.
1: Yeah. And I was thinking about this because that obviously is very unique, but like what, I'm not sure what makes them devil. Maybe just that they've been scrambled and combined with like taken out of the egg, cut in half, and then you put it back in. Like nobody ever says like, can you pass the deviled potatoes or like, Deviled sauerkraut, or I don't know.
0: That's true. Uh, yeah. Let me see if I can figure out what, uh, why it's called that. Wikipedia probably knows.
1: Yeah, this is this is quick becoming like the Food Network edition of the Reform Brotherhood, and I love it. Um, some other ones are Dennis Boyer said marshmallows on sweet potatoes. Although Chuck Murphy said basically in the South, that's pretty much like standard fare. Like that's just a religious obligation that you yeah. have to put the the um, marshmallows on there. But see, this is what makes Thanksgiving meals so interesting. Let me ask you again. How do you feel about sweet
0: potatoes? Um, they're okay. I'd rather have just good old plain mashed potatoes, but sweet potatoes are okay. I'd rather have sweet potatoes than yams because they're not the same thing. Are they? No, they're not. They're not the same
1: they're, thing. They're different, but honestly, I have no idea what the difference is.
0: Yeah, I don't know. That's just a different plant, I think.
1: I guess they taste differently. I have no idea. There's some more stringy. I'm not sure. This this is already like derailed into like, we obviously have no idea what we're talking about when it comes to food.
0: Yeah. I don't know.
1: Um, oh, My wife put on here stuffing or in quotation marks dressing, because at least in this weird corner of Pennsylvania, I've heard stuffing and dressing. I don't know if they're the same thing. And then yeah. Eric could ask dry or moist. And... I don't – is dry stuffing just straight-up breadcrumbs or is that like just – I think
0: it has to do with how you prepare it. I don't, But I don't know the difference. I don't, but that, I don't that reminds it. me though is I think gravy can be kind of controversial too because gravy in the Midwest always only ever refers to the, the stuff you put on mashed potatoes and turkey. But I remember the first time that um, your mom made uh, spaghetti and meatballs and gravy – And it's it's not called pasta sauce. It's called gravy. So it was a very different experience for me when when she said pass the gravy and I was expecting something very different than what it was.
1: That is interesting. I never heard that before. So then you're definitely like pop for
0: soda. Yeah. You know, I've never actually said pop much. I mean, I've always just said soda. So I've always been a little bit of an outlier.
1: You are an enigma, Tony.
0: I, I can be. Uh, what else Leroux? do we have here? Jeff
1: Laroe also said deep fried turkey, which that's creative. He says house fires, unsaturated fats and deliciousness. <laughs> I've never yeah. had a deep fried turkey, but it sounds just right on the face like something I want to put in my mouth.
0: Yeah, that's true. Um, I'll add to the list turducken. Have you ever had turducken? No. Have you had it? I have. It's very good. The flavors like seep into the birds. Um, But I will admit there's something that feels a little bit unnatural about stuffing a chicken inside of a duck inside of a turkey. It's like you're disrupting the natural order of things.
1: Yeah. I mean, if if we're going to say like there's something slightly dubious about deviled eggs, that's like some deviled meat action, like meat on meat on meat, but inside one another. I agree. That is a little bit strange.
0: Yeah. Speaking of uh, deviled eggs, the Wikipedia article does absolutely nothing to help me understand where the term came from. I just it tells me what the word means, article. but it's like they don't know what the word etymology means because it just says usually referred to spicy or zesty food. <laughs> that doesn't tell me why it's called deviled eggs. <laughs> they do note that sometimes at church functions they call them angel eggs, which is weird. I've never heard of that. That is awesome. But those are, those
1: are definitely the same people, though, that probably are thinking that Jesus made, like, non-alcoholic wine.
0: That's true. That's true. Although um, the Huffington Post, which is that bastion of um, always reliable information, uh, does say that you can make deviled ham. So there's other words that are other uh, other food items that are called deviled. And it says added spices such as hot sauce, cayenne pepper, hot peppers, or mustard. So the act, quote, the act of deviling or spicing and sprucing up can be done to a variety of food products. So apparently deviled eggs or deviled whatever just refers to, like, increasing the spiciness of it, I
1: guess. That actually makes a lot of sense. I feel yeah. like you should just use that word this week in place of spicy or spruce.
0: Yeah. Like, I'll go to Subway and I'll ask them for, like, deviled peppers. Yeah. <laughs> Do you like devil up my sandwich a little bit? I was going to say,
1: I want to have it my way. I want a five foot devil.
0: Yeah. Five foot devil sandwich, please
1: make it happen. That's fantastic. Um, So speaking of upcoming holiday, which people might be traveling, for instance, perhaps in their car or perhaps some other way by plane or by train. Yes. um, What would you recommend people might do during that strange downtime where
0: they're traveling and sitting and relaxing on this holiday. It's funny that you ask that. So our listeners actually can get a free trial of Audible if they go to audibletrial.com slash brotherhood. Um, and the way Audible works is pretty cool. Um, if you are a paying member, you get one credit per month and that credit entitles you to one audiobook. Um, but since you get a free one month trial, including a credit, you get a free audiobook if you use our uh, referral link there. So check it out. There's all sorts of great stuff. Um, you know, we recommended Mike Horton's books um, for the systematic theology section. Um, I'm sure you could find something about the history of Thanksgiving if you looked for it. Uh, there's all sorts of great stuff on there. So yeah, again, would... audible.com, uh, audibletrial.com/slash/brotherhood. Right on. Thank you. And I
1: would say as well for, again, as we we're speaking about all the people we're thankful for, including these people in our lovely little group, uh, if you're in the group, please interact with us. Uh, also, everybody go and just invite somebody else and their Facebook friends to join the group. Yeah. If you think that they should, or even if you don't think that they should, you should just yes. invite them.
0: Yeah. And another thing that really helps people find us, um, we haven't really harped on it too much and maybe we need to, but um, if you could leave a review for us in iTunes, um, iTunes is weird the way it works, but basically um, the more you rate and review a podcast, the higher it shows up in the search ratings. Um, So we've already got some good uh, feedback uh, and it seems to be helping, but if you could do us a favor and go rate and review us, that really does help people find the show.
1: Tell us if you like olives on iTunes.
0: Yeah. Leave a funny comment. Somebody wrote some funny story about, um, how they encountered a Sasquatch in the woods, uh, as their review, it took way more time than I think we're worth, but uh, we appreciate your effort. Um, and yeah, we would love, we would love to uh, get that feedback.
1: Yeah. I love that. We're, we are trying to make sure that the conversations are, I mean, like I said, Tony said, like there, it's a blessing to me to be able to chat with you. And I hope that it is a form of encouragement to others as well. So And that, you know, we're talking about theology at a level that makes good practical sense that we're not just kind of sitting as armchair philosophers, but we really want to put some shoe leather on it, talk about these things and do our best to go out and practice them and make them meaningful to people in the spheres and areas of which they live and breathe and have their moving and all that, that good stuff. Yeah. Um, So you have any final thoughts before we go basically get ready to eat some turkey and praise God?
0: Well, I'll I'll just close out by um, noting that, you know, beyond all the stuff that we've talked about tonight, um, I'm really thankful for my family. Um, And I don't just mean, obviously, my biological family, but I mean, like, my family. And that includes um, you, and it includes, obviously, my wife and this crazy, wild, amazing family that I've married into. Um, It's just a blessing to be able to say you know, that not only do I have my biological family, which God blessed me with, um, in many ways and, and still blesses me with, but also this family that I've married into is, is just a joy to be a part of and has opened up, uh, perspectives and opportunities that I never would have imagined, um, being a part of something like this. Um, and hopefully, you know, we'll get into it as we do some recording around the, around Christmas when everybody's able to participate. Um, this family that we're in really is kind of unique in a lot of ways, and I just am really thankful to be a part of it.
1: I echo that, Tony. I love that God has given us our biological family. It's like this wonderful example for what he does in a supernatural sense with the church and with this larger brotherhood and sisterhood of believers in Christ. And, you know, just like your biological family, like you don't really get to pick them. And by really, I mean, yeah, you definitely don't get to pick them. And, you know, sometimes uh, it's tough going, but it's you're always united in that bond. It's the identity which perseveres against and through everything. And I've just been thinking more about the church that way. So I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for the local church that I'm a part of. I'm thankful for the broader church. I'm just thankful that uh, there's a, a chorus of brothers and sisters uh, all across the world that are, are bound together, knit together in our hearts and our, the essence of our beings, essentially, because of what Jesus Christ has done. Yeah, amen. And that is just a fantastic thing for me to think about. So I wanted to at least uh, end with this quote, uh, from Dietrich Bonhoeffer, which is not necessarily something he wrote about Thanksgiving, but I find just to be maybe a brilliant way to close our time. And he penned this, after he was imprisoned in a concentration camp uh, for over a year. So this is what he wrote. You must never doubt that I'm traveling with gratitude and cheerfulness along the road where I'm being led. My past life is brimful full of God's goodness, and my sins are covered by the forgiving love of Christ crucified. I'm so thankful for the people I've met, and I only hope that they never have to grieve about me, but that they too will always be certain of and thankful for God's mercy and forgiveness.
0: Amen. Doesn't get much better than that. I don't think so. Alright, well, thanks for listening. Hope you have an awesome Thanksgiving and uh, get a good post-turkey nap, and we will see you next week.
1: Happy Thanksgiving. Eat some olives.
0: What if I'm far from home? Oh brother